that's out there doesn't get in here. Protect your heart. Guard your heart. And God will be there every step of the way. Well, I guess you Golden Girls got together on Friday night, huh? Yeah. I, I heard the cops didn't get called or anything, man. I was like, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I guess that happened. I uh, was gone uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at a medical conference. Amazing what's happening. Amazing what is, hasn't even come to the forefront in terms of natural medicine and what's really beginning to happen. I saw that uh, just uh, about a month ago that now uh, uh, Vietnam vets, or not just Vietnam vets, but all vets now have access to naturopathic medicine. It's a law. I tell you, it's a big, big deal. It's a big deal. God gave us everything to be healthy, didn't he? Praise the Lord, he did. And uh, so i real excited to see what was going on there and real excited to see the, the entrance over here and what's what you... I mean, you guys should give your own selves a hand for raising that kind of money to do that for the kingdom of God. It's awesome. It's incredible. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hey, I know that uh, Chad is going to have a group of guys here on Saturday. You're going to be here around 5.30, 6 o'clock couple hours of work, get in, get out before the heat gets going. So if you're interested in that, the guy nodding his head with the hat on right here. Yep. Uh, you can see him and uh, I'm sure he'd appreciate the help. Come out and help help uh, really beautify this property. Amen. All right. Well, I want to talk to you tonight about is salvation leading to sanctification. So many of us know what salvation is, but when it comes to the sanctification part, it's like, well, wait a second here. Uh, I didn't realize that I actually had a part to play in this thing, right? And so Romans 10.9 says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. But there's some conditions there. You've got to openly de declare that Jesus is what? Lord. That he's Lord. He's not just Lord on the day that you gave your heart to him. He is now the Lord of your life. And when, you, when you're moving from salvation into sanctification, here, here let me give you a, a, some insight here. Number one, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the sanctification uh, uh, finished work is already done. It, it's already a finished work. But you're going to have to adopt the nature of God along the way to receive that finished work in your life. And this isn't about punishment. This isn't about God beating you up. This isn't about any of that stuff. God knows what's best for us. The first step is, is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? That, that's, a, that's an in, incredible experience. And where I see in the body of Christ many times that people get blocked after they say that prayer is that they go out and they do something stupid, Praise the Lord. Anybody ever done anything stupid after getting saved? I know I have. They go out and do something stupid, and then they condemn themselves. They, can, they bring condemnation into their life instead of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. See, the, the conviction will bring you to sanctification. The condemnation is going to lead you back to, to square one. And I see that happen in the body of Christ over and over and over and over and over again. I, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I went and I started to, to live my life and I did the dumb thing again. 
and I did it again, and I did it again. And therefore, I negated my salvation. There's even some of you in here who gave your life to Jesus Christ, but then you never really got serious about the sanctification part. And you feel guilt about that. You gotta get that beyond, you gotta get that off your chest. You gotta move all that stuff off and say, you know what? It, it's by grace that I'm saved. I mean, that is it. And it's a walk of faith, right? And we're gonna talk about that tonight, but it's a walk of faith and works, corresponding actions that God will lead you in the path of righteousness in your life. And it's not to get anything from you. It's to restore that which is lost, restore that which is broken, to bring you back into the fullness of who you are in Jesus Christ. The you that Christ and God knew before there was a before. The one that was in the heart and the mind of God. He wants you to become that person. And it's a finished work. You're going to fall short of the glory of God in the process of sanctification. Your sin should not have influence on whether or not you're going to show up again and say, God, I give my life afresh and anew today. Today is my day of salvation. Right here, right now. Yeah, but forget about everything in the press path. Press on to the high call of God in your life and don't get caught up in sin. Repent of your sin. It's critical that you do this. And repentance is not like you got to go through broken glass to get there. There's no such thing as that. God, forgive me of my sins. If something comes to remembrance in your heart or your mind, then say, God, forgive me of that. Go boldly before the throne of grace. Don't allow something that's not of God to rob you of everything that God has for you in the sanctification process. It's all wrapped up in your salvation. It's all a finished work. But all you, you do got to get up and you got to put, you know, grow that spiritual spine. Praise the Lord. You can do it. You can make it to church every Sunday. You can make it to church every Wednesday. You can make it to church at every event. You can make it to church to serve. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And the Bible says if you seek first the kingdom of God and your right standing to do it, sometimes it's just all about the service and we don't think we have the right standing to do it. You're good enough to serve in the kingdom of God. You, right where you are, are good enough to serve in the kingdom of God. And it's part of the sanctification process. Acts 16, 29 through 31. This is where the jailer, you remember Paul and Silas, they're in the prison, right? And they're praying and, you know, uh, singing, singing praises to God and the whole thing. And the jail, jailer called uh, for the lights after the doors swung open and the foundations had shook and all of this. And he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Along with everybody else in your household. Some of you in, the, in, in, in this room have doubt about the salvation of all those in your household. You see, you've got authority of your own household. Men of God, you should be walking as men of God in your household. You should be leading your family, and that's not to say that women don't have a role. Women have an incredible role 
in the household. But men, we've got to stand up. We've got to be the men of God. And we've got to lead our families to the path of righteousness. And listen, you're going to have to go through the, the eye of the needle to maybe get there. You're, you're going to have to let go of some stuff to get through that narrow space that God wants to bring you through. Don't worry. All the stuff that you're going to leave on the outside can get carried in one bag at a time if, if it passes the sniff test. Because if it don't pass the sniff test, it ain't going to enter in the kingdom of God. It can't. And so many of you are reaching back to get that thing that you can't bring in, and it's holding you, it's holding your family outside of the kingdom of God. Just let it go. Just let it go. You know, so many of you, in fact, all of you, know the still, small voice of God. How many people in here would say that they heard the still, small voice of God even before you were saved? I did, man. I was like, wow, you know, man, God's real. You know, like, I, I wish he wasn't at this particular time of my life. But he's real. Like, I hear him. And I would hear him. I'd hear his still, small voice. And I'm telling you, God is speaking. The question is, is are you listening? Are you listening? Can you see the, the, the cycles that you're creating in your life and how they're holding you outside of the kingdom dynamics of that restorative power to bring this dutimous, incredible anointing on your life that everything you put your hands to prospers. Every place you place your feet is blessed of him. I mean, the, the anointing of God is preceding you everywhere you go. But this is a mindset. You've got to renew your mind to the Word of God, not your circumstances, not your situations, not what you feel like doing or you don't feel like doing. But praise the Lord, the Word of God says this. And in fact, it says this about my situation in my life. And I can begin to believe that in my life. And God can use the power of the Word, the rhema part, the anointed part, the dunamis power of his word to come alive in your life. This is the finished work I'm talking about. God's not going to re-script the word of God. It's already written as it is. Man, there's an incredible anointing in this room tonight. There just really is. And God wants to lead and guide you in all paths of truth. The truth is what's going to set you free. It's not your ideas. It's not what you know or what you don't know. It's not your worries or your cares or all these other things. It's the anointing of God. And listen, there's no, when you think of the anointing of God, it's not like you can just get a little bit of it. There's no such thing as a little bit of the anointing. Like I just need to get my little anointing and put that, you know, over here. No, it's, it's like a river, the Bible says. It's a river, and if you've ever been in a big river, I'm telling you, man, that, that thing will sweep you down the river quicker than you know what to do. And that's where we really need to be. We need to be trusting in God, trusting that he's sanctifying me. And sanctification is nothing more, again, than the restoration of who you truly are in Jesus Christ. God wants to do that in your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 21. It says, he died for everyone. Is everyone in the room? Praise the Lord. You're in everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer, what? Live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised 
for them, for the everyone, for me and you. So that we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. I'll tell you what, we got to stop it, guys. We're looking at people and we're looking through natural eyes at people and we're making stuff up that, listen, has nothing to do with the finished work of the sanctification power of Jesus Christ in their life. We should be speaking very highly of each other. Should be encouraging one another. Should be loving one another. Should be supporting one another, not tearing each other down. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone, has become a brand new person in him. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And when I I underline that, not here, but in mine, I underline begun. Because you got to begin right where you are. You got to begin right in your own sinful state. You got to begin right in your, your, your own impoverished state, your own lack of the fullness of Jesus Christ and who you are in Him. Just start right there. Begin there. If you need to begin again and again and again and again and again, begin again. And all of this is a gift from God. Who, and when it's talking about all of this is a gift from God, this new life is a finished life for you in particular. And what you've got to understand is that is a gift. I received Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I have a brand new life. It's a gift. It's a finished work. But you look at your life through this natural lens and you're trying to see yourself that way rather than the way God sees you and all of a sudden condemnation starts to move in. All of a sudden sin begins to have dominion in your life. And I'm not just talking about the acts of sin. I'm talking about the, 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 the nature of sin, how you see yourself in a sinful nature that goes, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, you know, I messed up. Oh, you know, I didn't go to church last Sunday. Oh, I didn't read my Bible the way, you know, Pastor Say said I should, and I didn't show up for prayer, and I, whatever it is. It's not by your works, although your works are going to come into play here, It's about the free gift of this incredible brand new life that God has given to you. And it is finished no matter how sinful you may be be in this moment. It says, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Well, to reconcile means there's some stuff that has just gone bumped in the night, right? I mean, it's just not organized the way it should be. He wants to reconcile everything. He knows everything you've done, good, bad, indifferent. He knows it all, every single thing, and yet he keeps on giving you this incredible gift, this incredible ability to become all that you can become in Christ. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Man, some of you got, who in here was raised as a Catholic? Probably don't even want to raise your hand, but praise the Lord. How many people knew some pretty mean nuns? Right? Right? How many people know that there's a lot of condemnation in that 
kind of a religious experience, right? It's all about your sins and going and telling somebody that you did it and, you know, oh, say your penance or, you know, do this or do that. No, you don't need to go through anybody. You go directly to God yourself. They don't give the gift. They don't dispense what that gift is all about. They are not who you go to. You don't pray to Mary. You don't pray to the saints. You don't pray to any of those people. You pray, I mean, in the name of Jesus, and you begin to declare over your life who you are, whose you are, and that this is a finished work and that you're not going to get in the way anymore. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through you. You see, he only sees the finished you. And he knows that if you'll just do what he's asking you to do, be obedient, right? Because obedience is greater than sacrifice, right? It's greater than your sacrifice. So if you'll just begin to do what God's called you to do, just be obedient, you're going to see things. You're going to experience things. You're going to have revelation beyond the things that you know today that are going to lead you to a better tomorrow and a more complete state of who God created you to be. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I hear that cry so strong in the church today. Don't, don't let people or don't let your circumstances, don't let your sin, don't let anything so easily beset you and drag you out of the body of Christ. Don't you do that. Don't do it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will. If you are being, I mean, if you are being satanically oppressed, you're fighting spiritual warfare and you ain't getting through, honey, I'm telling you, you got a church here that will pray with you in agreement, break that stuff off of your life. You don't have to understand how it's going to happen. You just need to know that it's going to happen. It's a finished work. It's a finished work. It's a finished work. All you got to do is walk in, walk in it all the days of your life. And you know what? When you step outside the boundary, just jump, jump right back in the light. Just jump right back in. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for your sin, so that we would be made right with your creator through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He's not going to come back and nail himself back up on the cross. He's not going to do it. It's already done. In fact, the Bible says that when he ascended, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, what does it mean to be seated? It means to be at rest in the finished work. Whatever I did before I sat down, it's done. It's over. He's resting. God created the heavens and and the earth, and, and he rested on the Seventh day. How many people know in this room that God never has gotten up to do anything since? He sent his son. He sent his son. And so God isn't getting up. Jesus isn't getting up. And guess what? He's inviting you to be seated with him in heavenly places. To be at rest. To know and to trust God. What is a relationship 
without trust in God. What is that relationship with God? It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. The moment I can make Jesus the Lord of my life, my life is no longer my own. I receive this new life that I don't quite understand, but I know it to be a finished work. And I just begin to live my life in fear and trembling, right? And I just, I navigate my way through. And the beautiful thing about this is you don't even have to know where you're going because he wants to do things that are greater than things that you could even ask with your mouth or currently think with your brain. It's a supernatural anointing, a supernatural power that begins to operate in your life. And it's no longer you who lives, but the Christ who lives on the inside of you. And all of a sudden, your life is going to start to take on new meaning. But you're going to have to trust him. Everybody say trust him. Galatians 2, 20 through 21. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but the Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the finished work of the Son of God. Because, And I know I'm adding that, but you've got to understand, he's not doing anything else. It's already done. It's already done. It says, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For, it is keeping, for if keeping the law could make me right with God, then there would be no need for Christ to die. You know, the thing about the law is, is that there wasn't even one single priest that ever lived the perfection of the law. I mean, go to the priest of all priests. Go to Moses. Go to any, any one of them. Not one of them, not even one, could, wa- could walk and fulfill the law. Not one. But you have to understand, you have an advocate, Jesus. You have an advocate, Jesus. He is the Word. He is what created what we see. He is what created you. He is what created the earth. And what you've got to understand is, is he, if he created it, he can make it right. Because he knows it's perfect, its perfect state. And so what you're going to have to really start to get into the word of God so that you can find out who you are. So many of us have been spoken over our lives by whether it be a, a father, a mother, a uncle, a teacher, or somebody that just said bad stuff about you. And all of a sudden, that stuff starts to glom onto you. And you start to take on that identity. you got to break that stuff off of yourself. I don't care. It's not that I don't care. I'm just telling you, I can't qualify what a person says against what the Word says. And if you can get to that same point in your life, you can break all that stuff off. You can have the confidence in who you are in Christ. And you can also have confidence in God that he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to navigate this whole thing for you that he knows the beginning from the end. And he's not, he's not a conditional God. What he does for one, he's going to do for another. There's no end to what he wants to do in and through your life, regardless of whether you were born on this side of the tracks or that side of the tracks or you got educated here or you didn't or whatever. None of that makes any difference. None of it makes any difference. 
Jesus himself was a common carpenter. That's what he was. But he was very astute, not only being the word, but in the word. He was found teaching in the synagogue as a young boy and so on and so I mean, he just started to take authority of his own life with all the doubt, with all the criticism, with all the stuff that came against him. He didn't see himself the way they saw him. He saw himself the way the Father saw him. And you've got to understand the Father sees you the way he sees Christ. That's the way he sees you. And all you have to do is adopt that nature into your life. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 As for us, we can't help but to thank God for you. Dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, we are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. A salvation that came through the Spirit, capital S, who makes you, what? Makes you holy, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. And through your belief in the truth, right? So when, you're, when he's talking about holiness, it's really the finished work of, of Christ, right? It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm holy now. You think, oh, I don't know. You know, if I'm holy, I don't know if, you know. No, if the Word of God says you're holy, just accept it. Don't worry about how you feel about it. Just work, think about how God sees you, okay? Because the holiness part of you it, it starts with salvation, right? Believe in your heart, confess with mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and you'll be saved. But then it moves into the sanctification part. The sanctification part is, is creating this holiness inside of you. I mean, it's, it's going to start to get from in here to out there. And it's not something that you're going to control. It's going to become your nature about yourself. People around you will witness you, and they'll be like, man, there's something different about this lady. Man, live, you know, like, what's up, you know? And they may approach you and say, boy, there's just something so different about you. Well, you praise the Lord. Let me talk to you about that. <laughs> Let me talk to you about it. I've had... Probably thousands of people say that about me over the years. There's something different about you. Glad you brought it up. You see, it's not me trying to force them or coerce them into doing something. If you really look at how Jesus did this, he would just go out and he'd start laying hands on people. And then people would be like, oh, wow, you know, there's something different about him. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about it. Come, come on over here. You see what I'm saying? It was so natural. It was, it, they saw it on him. There's many people in the Bible where they saw the anointing of God on a person. That's what this is all about. That's what the sanctification process is going to do. It's not just saying it's Christ who lives, it's no longer me, but Christ who lives in me, but it's actually exuding that. And people will witness that. People will see it. 1 John 1, 9 through 10. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of all forms of wickedness. And if we claim to, we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place of truth in our hearts. Don't major on the sin, major on the sanctification 
process. Thank God you're even aware that what you're doing is sin. Because when you're in the world, you didn't think of it as sin, right? It was just a good time. Sometimes it wasn't a good time. It was a bad time, right? Brought you down the lowest parts or whatever it was that you were experiencing before you got saved. Free yourself from all that stuff. John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. The people who truly believed in him, not the other people, you are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth is going to begin to liberate you in ways you didn't even know you were bound. You see things in a brand new way. Romans 6, 1 through 7 says, Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Should we just keep doing what we're doing and know that what we're doing we're being convicted by, but, you know, I don't want to deal with it in my life. I don't want to change. I don't want to whatever. I'm telling you tonight that the cost of you continuing doing something you're convicted about is going to cost you more in the long run than it would ever be worth in what you're doing. Even though it feels comfortable, even though it feels familiar, even though all those things are there, I'm just here to tell you tonight, it's costing you. It's, it's preventing you from developing yourself and who you are in Jesus Christ into that finished work, into that sanctification process to get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. It says, of course not, since we have died to sin. I haven't died to sinning. I've died to sin. I've died to being a sinner. I'm no longer a sinner. Some of you would have a hard time even saying that here tonight. Some of you would have a really hard time saying that. You shouldn't have a hard time saying that. You should get up every single day now that you've heard me say it and say it over your life every day. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm saved by grace. Praise the Lord, I'm saved by grace. Man, but what about what you did the other day? Praise the Lord, I'm not a sinner. Sin does not have dominion over me. Does not have dominion over me. The only thing that has dominion over my life is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of my life. Sin is not the Lord of my life. I'm no longer a sinner. I am saved. And I am on my way to being sanctified. Man. So since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? It's only in your mindset. It's only in what you're saying about it. But in truth, when you receive Jesus Christ, you're no longer a sinner. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? So if you've been baptized here, you know, that's not just a religious experience. It's you identifying with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's what that's all about. It's to have a public display in which my life is going to fall back in death. I am going to go under that ground and praise the Lord when I pop my head out of this thing. I am going to be declaring not only to myself, but to all the witnesses that I identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And praise the Lord, once you've got his resurrection, that's the new life that you're, that you're looking for. 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of the Father, we also may live new lives, free from being a sinner. Not free from sin, but free from being a sinner. You are not a sinner if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. I beg and plead with all of you in this room tonight. I beg you to not allow your sin to keep you from doing what God has called you to do, to keep you out of the body of Christ. Don't do it. In fact, don't even let other people's sin do that to you either. There's been so many people hurt by the body of Christ. Don't let that keep you out of the kingdom of God. I ministered to a man one time, and he was talking about all these things that had happened to him. And I said, you know what? That's the sins of other people, not you. But you're allowing sin to have dominion in your life. You're giving it the authority. You're giving it the power rather than saying, you know what? Praise the Lord. Forgive me of that and forgive that person or those people for that. Just liberate yourself. Don't hold on to sin. It ain't worth it. It's going to drag you down. You know, the devil will take you further than you want to go. And he's going to leave you there by yourself. He's going to leave you in your shame. He's going to leave you in the feelings of condemnation and doubt in yourself, doubt in God, doubt in the church and all this stuff. No, none of that is true. You've got to liberate yourself from that stuff. You've got to be sanctified of those things. It says, since we have been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was, this brand new life. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. That old sinner's dead. He's, she's dead. He's dead. He has no life. He has no authority in your life anymore. And you say, well, I know, but I'm still doing the same stupid stuff. Praise the Lord, you're aware of it. Praise the Lord, get it under the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord, don't let it stop you from doing what God's called you to do. You'll get sanctified from it. It's not going to be your effort, your power. Yes, you have the ability to say no. Yes, you have the ability to say yes. But I'm here to tell you, if you just be obedient to what God is doing in your life, he'll liberate you from this stuff. The stuff runs way deeper, guys, way deeper than the surface. It runs way deeper. And you've got to realize that there's some things that you just can't unpickle the pickle by yourself. You see, you're no longer a pickle. You're a cucumber. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And it's no different than the Gentiles, right? They were called Gentiles. And then you had the Jews, right? God said no more of that. There's no more of that. No, 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 honey. No, no more of that. It's just another way of saying I'm no longer a sinner either. I'm no longer that. So, so that's, I love this. It, let me start with verse 6 again. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. The stupid thing you do has no, hear this by the Spirit of God, has no more power or influence in my life. And I put that thing behind me, I'm no longer identified by that, and I press on. 
to the high call of Christ. And you know what that thing may trip? Listen, that thing may trip you up again in the future. It might. But don't give it power. Don't allow it to have influence of any kind. When it comes up, man, and, you know, you're, you're addicted to pornography or you're, you're sleeping with some lady at work. I don't know what you're dealing with. Ladies, whatever you're dealing with, you know, whatever that is. Don't allow that to stop the influence of God in your life. Jesus didn't hang out with all the goody two-shoes. They hated him, man. They hated him. He came with a radical message that says, you know what? Uh, I just want you all to know that I've come with both grace and truth. And so, you know, you all trying to live up to the law, but that don't work anymore. I'm going to fulfill the law. And, and guess what? These Gentile people over here, they're also descendants of Abraham. Kapow, man. Like, whoa, wait a second here. You just said that those people are the descendants of Abraham? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? It's about sanctification, guys. Move beyond your salvation. Get that solidified once and for all. Quit playing games with God there, too. If every time we say a sinner's prayer and you say it again and again and again and again and again, right? At some point, just bury that in the sand. Praise the Lord. I may not feel saved, but thank God that I am. I'm no longer a sinner. Okay, and then you can begin that sanctification process because I've seen so many Christians get stuck in that salvation experience. It's over and over and over, and I'm not sure anymore. And the condemnation and the doubt and that and all that. No, it's finished work. Praise the Lord, I received him, and now I'm just going to walk on. Now, if you fall away from the Lord, you're going to need to come back. Okay, if sin has dominion again in your life and it pulls you out of the body of Christ, pulls you away from God, you got to come back to God, man. You've got to come back to God. You've got to recommit your life. But he's ready to pick up the pieces right where you left off. That's the beautiful thing with God. All right. Let's get into James 2, uh, 14 through 20. This is good tonight. So what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save? We're talking about salvation, right? Can that kind of faith really save anybody? Like maybe I just, you know, want to make sure that someday I go to heaven so I just say a prayer and then I'm not seen again for, you know, until Christmas again. Every other year, praise the Lord or at Easter, or those kinds of things, right? No, God wants your whole life. He wants the whole thing, man. He's got a place for you right here in the kingdom of God. I, I assure you of that. It says, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a nice day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing? What good does that do anybody? You can say, hey, you know, I, I really care for people and, you know, I wouldn't want anybody starving or homeless or anything else. But all of a sudden it comes time for you to have that, oh, you bump into somebody, right? And you just, well, praise the Lord, uh, you know, have a nice day and, you know, God bless you. No, listen, if you're going to say something, mean it. Amen. 
It says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Ooh, my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds. It is dead, and the word dead there actually means cursed and useless. Your faith to say something, whatever it is, your faith alone without the corresponding action is actually cursed. It's a block in your life. It's death in your life. You're saying one thing, but you're not backing it up with these actions. And this is what this sanctification process really comes down to and where the rubber meets the road. It says it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, right, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say eat. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe that, and they tremble in terror. How foolish can you be? Can't you see that faith without works is useless? Can't you see how living a religious experience with God rather than a relationship with him is holding you back from all that he has in store for you. That if you would just walk on through the door, right? There's a new and fresh. I'm telling you. And, and listen, th this is not about a sprint. Get to the altar, confess Jesus is my Lord and Savior, go back out, go to, you know, Cain's chicken for lunch, praise the Lord, and never come back. I'm glad we helped you feel better. I'm glad that, you know, you felt that tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart and, and all of that. But what about all the rest that he has in store for you? Not just when you get to heaven. Some of you are just waiting to get to heaven. You think you're going to be little chubby angels up there and, you know, we're just going to float around and, you know, all this stuff and praise the Lord. You're going to have your own mansion and, that, you know, we're just going to have a, a, a gay old time every day. Now, I promise you, I promise you that your purpose is going to continue on there. There's going to be many more things that we're going to do there. It's not getting chubby and laying on clouds all day. God wants to sanctify you right here, right now. And it comes with so many benefits. It comes with so many wonderful things. Things you could work a hundred lifetimes for and never get in one moment of his favor just brings it right into your life because of your obedience, because your ability to recognize who I am in Christ and willing to be obedient to walk that thing out, not like Bill does, not like Susie does, but praise the Lord like Pastor Paul does. I got to navigate this way. And that may make other people uncomfortable in my life, but praise the Lord, I'm not here to bring you comfort. In fact, the, the word brings offense to those around you. It doesn't build offense, it brings offense. <laughs> and you got to just be okay with that. You can't go based on your feelings when you're walking by faith, amen? 
I say this all the time jokingly, but you got to be willing to knock down the old ladies and the children and get it done. You just do. It's too important to not get done. You got, you got it. Don't knock down any old ladies or any children, but you understand my point. Ephesians 4.1, therefore I a prisoner, praise the Lord, sign up man, you're a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead and live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God, you have been called by God. 1 Peter 2.11, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to this world to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. I'm going to close with this scripture. i got many, many more I could do, but I'm just out of time. Hebrews 12.5-13. And if you have forgotten the encouraging words of God spoke to you as His children, have you? Have you forgotten what he says about you? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine, oh my God, you should underline that circle. When you endure this divine discipline, because it's going to come going to get uncomfortable. Your flesh is going to feel uncomfortable. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children. It means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits? And live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always for your good so that we might share in His holiness. And that holiness is the sanctification process. It's the sanctification process. I invite all of you to start right where you are. Ask God to begin to lead and guide you in all paths of truth. Don't worry about how your life starts to change, how things start to shift, all that stuff. Let the Lord do what the Lord is going to do. And I promise you, when you come out through the other side of this thing, you're going to see life in a different way, and you'll never be the same again. The Bible says if you drink of these waters, you'll never thirst again. Okay? Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you tonight for your word. And I thank you, Father God, for not only saving us, but for sanctifying us. Thank you that that's a finished work that you're calling us to, every single one of us, Father God, to do your will, Father God, to walk in righteousness, to seek first the kingdom of God, so that all the things that you have laid up for us in that finished work of sanctification will be added to our lives, Father God. I thank you that every person in this room is touched by the anointing of God. I just thank you for that anointing that just breaks every single yoke of bondage. Guard their hearts, guard their minds, Lord God. Give them ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Some of you in this room need to give your life right with Christ tonight. And now is your opportunity to do that.
We're all going to pray together this prayer. And if that's you tonight, I just want you to pray with all your heart. Don't try to understand it. Don't try to get it. Don't try to grasp it. Just say it out of your mouth. And leave this place tonight knowing that not only you are saved, but that you are on a journey of sanctification in your life. Everybody say this prayer together with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I make you the Lord of my life. Sanctify me. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. If you said that prayer tonight and you meant it with all your heart, just slip up your hand. I see that 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 hand. Many hands. Many hands. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Everybody put your hands back down. Eyes open, looking around. Listen, you're saved, okay? Whether you received them tonight or you received them before, you're saved. You're no longer a sinner. Now get on your journey to sanctification. We'll see you all on uh, Sunday morning. God bless you. Bring